Welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where it's all about, you guessed it, grant writing and funding made easy so you can increase capacity, grow funding, and advance your nonprofit or freelance mission. Now, let's hand it over to your host, grants expert and author Holly Rustic, so you can increase your funding and drive impact. Hey, Changemaker, it's Holly Rustic here, and we are on the S in the grants formula. So we're talking all about developing a strategic budget today. Yeah, we're talking about the money. <laughs> all right, so what do I do? I help changemakers grow capacity, increase funding, and to advance mission. To do that, I teach you to gain experience in grant writing and coach you with systems so that you can become a freelance grant writer and 10x results all from the comfort of your own home. All right, and how we do that today is we're talking about the budgets. So money is often the fun thing to talk about, right? In life, we like talking about money. Yet, so many people cringe when they think of the budget section of the grant. For me, I used to cringe. Like it used to do, oh my gosh, not the budget. But now I find it as a puzzle piece that needs to be sorted well and early so that your entire grant makes sense. So actually, I like going to the budget now. I'm usually like, all right, let's talk about what the need is. Now that we know what the need is, we know what the project we actually need to develop is. And then we go, well, what is the goal? All right, here's our overarching goal. What are our objectives to get there? What are some of the activities? And what's the budget? So just like we've been going through in our grants formula, that's, that's the system. But you need all these different puzzle pieces together even before you go into the project narrative, right? The whole like breaking it all down. Once you have the grants formula, this basic framework for your grant, the rest of it is just filling it in. So don't try to start with filling it in before you have your objective, before you have your goal, before you have your problem statement, and before you even have done your budget, because you're just going to be rewriting, rewriting, rewriting. But once you have all of these things that we've been talking about in the grants formula from episode 83 to episode 88 today, we have been giving you the entire framework that you need for any grant that you're going to write. All right, so... Da, da, da. Today I'm going to show you how to create a simple budget you can use for every single grant. So by the end of the episode, you will have tools to create an amazing strategic budget. This will save you hundreds of hours and frustration by having a simple and unified budget format. And if you want that free downloadable template, just jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com forward 88. So for the downloadable that has that will follow the podcast episodes on the grants formula. And just as a reminder, this is our last week covering the proven grants formula. Woo-hoo-hoo. So be sure once again to check out episodes 83 to 88 on this entire formula. But before we get into it today, I just want to share a great review. <laughs> Thank you for taking out your time of, the, of your day to leave a review on iTunes and to support the podcast. This podcast, the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, at this point in time in September, consistently has nearly 1,500 downloads every single week. So thank you for all the listeners out there who are tuning in from all over the world. I so appreciate you. And this week's testimony is the following. Expertise and Relatable. Holly's podcast demonstrates her expertise in the nonprofit field combined with amazing grant writing skills. She knows the nonprofit field and the knowledge grant writers need to be successful in applying, reviewing, and reporting for grants. 
Her podcast is relatable to real-life scenarios, and her lighthearted humor keeps this knowledge fun and creative. Excellent podcast for nonprofit professionals and grant writers, new and experienced. And that is from Gypsy Tanya on Apple Podcast. Thank you so much, Gypsy Tanya. I appreciate that review. That really means the world to me, and I'm so happy that you find the podcast fun, right? Because a lot of times when we think grants, we, oh my gosh, academics and ah, this lingo. So I do try to keep it very to the point um, and to have some fun with it. <laughs> so I appreciate you getting my sense of humor. So thanks again, Gypsy Tanya, for taking out that time in your day and just putting a review on iTunes. As that really does show me that people are out there and they're finding value in this podcast. Um, and, and as always, let me know, send me an email, holly at grantwritingandfunding.com if you have any specific topic you would like me to cover for the podcast. All right, so it's time now to talk about money. So every single FOA, Funding Opportunity Announcement, or RFP, Request for a Proposal, is going to ask you to submit a budget. Remember, you can only ask for the maximum of the grant. If there is a federal grant that has a ceiling of $450,000 or $300,000 or whatnot, you ask only for that much. Do not ask for $450,001. They will throw out your grant. Having said that, you need to make sure your project is realistic with the ceiling amount for the grant. Don't just pat it to get to the top. If you only need $300,000 and you can ask for up to $450,000, sure, I mean, if there's something extra that you can put in there, that would be great. But if not, just ask for the $300,000. If it really makes sense and your project will be successful and it's enough money, don't just try to restrict all funds too and not ask for enough money. But if it's enough money and you're like, that's what we need, then that's all you have to ask for. So it's amazing. But how do you figure out your budget? Well, a great starting point is to look at everything you have already developed. We've already developed the problem statement. We've been working on an entire example here with our nonprofit in New Mexico that caters to pregnant teens or teen parents, right? We've already gone through. We've come up with our problem statement. We've come up with our goal. We've come up with three objectives. We've come up for activities for one objective. And now today we're gonna come up with a budget for that example of activities that meet one objective, right? So the thing about budgets are you don't do them independently. And what I've seen a lot is at different organizations, especially at larger ones, you have the accountant or you have budget people developing the budgets and you have program people that are just working on programs. That's all fine and good, but they need to come together at an early part in the grant writing stage. Otherwise, it's gonna be messy and you're gonna have things in the budget that you never talked about in the proposal and the narrative, right? And then your reviewers are gonna be like, oh, I don't think that's needed because they never talked about it. Or vice versa, you're gonna have a bunch of stuff in the project narrative that's never in the budget. And that is awful as well because they're gonna be like, they said they needed this for their project to work, yet it's not even in the budget. So you guys need to talk. So you make sure you do talk. And this is early in the stage of the grant application. All right, so we're gonna talk about different categories. So I have a sample line by line budget that utilizes categories. And I highly recommend using this format so it is compatible with federal grants, right? With federal budgets. So your categories should include the following unless specified by the RFP 
Orfoa, that they want it a different way. Then you follow that, right? But oftentimes, this is the format that we're going to discuss today that most federal agencies do use. And at many times, foundations, they don't give you a format. So just follow your federal format. Because I'm going to give you a little example here. Now, imagine a nonprofit that manages two federal grants and five foundation grants. If you are managing two federal grants, the format I'm giving you today works, right? And you're using those, you're using those categories that we're going to talk about today. But for your foundation budgets, you just like created whatever and you went in your own direction and they're totally different than your federal budget, your federal framework for your budget. All right. That is going to make really a lot of challenges for your bookkeeper, accountant, and grant manager. So keep it simple and streamlined across all grants as much as you can. Managing grants is its own beast. Totally different than writing grants. Managing grants, right? It's its own beast. And they often have different fiscal years and reporting requirements. So make your budget part as seamless as possible. Really keep that in mind. And if you're, you're a freelance grant writer that works with many different nonprofits, you're going to be a highly desired grant writer because they're going to be like, oh my gosh, you make our jobs so much easier. And if you write grants just for a specific nonprofit, they're going to love you too because it's not going to be confusing when those grants get awarded. It's going to be very seamless. Here are the categories that we're going to talk about today. Personnel, fringe benefits, travel, equipment, supplies, consulting slash contracting, other, indirect, and total. Okay, so our example, like I said, that we've been using for the past, um, since episode 83, is a nonprofit in New Mexico that serves pregnant teens and teenage parents. The problem statement is the teenage pregnancy rate in New Mexico is the highest in the nation with 62 out of 1,000 teenage youth pregnant compared to the U.S. average of 18.8. The goal is the project will increase fiscal management and job wages for pregnant teenagers and teenage parents. Now our three objectives, and you guys, if you've been listening to these, you're, you like know all this, like the back of your hand by now, which is good. Number one, 100 pregnant youth or teenage parents will receive 20 hours of financial literacy training by July 31st, 2020. Number two, 75 pregnant youth or teenage parents will have completed their GED or high school diploma by June 30th, 2020. And number three, 20 pregnant youth or teenage parents will be employed by December 31st, 2020. So in episode 87, we developed a timetable for all of your activities for just objective one. And once again, that's 100 pregnant youth or teenage parents will receive 20 hours of financial literacy training by July 31st, 2020. So we went ahead and we broke down some different activities that would need to get done. And once again, these were to hire the project coordinator, partner with a financial institution, create an online awareness campaign, create a selection process for youth, recruit youth through online campaign, and commence cohorts, each cohort of 20 youth at five hours per week for one month each cohort. So that would be the 100 pregnant youth or teenage parents completing the 20 hours of financial literacy by the end of July. And we broke that down. We also gave lead people, start and end dates, and then the measurement of how those each would be measured and evaluated. 
So if you would like to check out that, please do check out episode 87 to get more details about that. But now we're just gonna look at those activities just for objective one. We're gonna do the budget just for objective one today. But you could see how if you would branch out your activities for each objective, and then you would take your, your basically your timetable of activities, right? And you would put them side by side with a budget template and you would just start filling it in. That would help you so much. That way you're not skipping over anything that might be important. And you've also done the brainstorming to see what you're really gonna need in order for this project to work. Okay, so let's go ahead and look at our budget. So first off, in our personnel category, so now we have subcategories. So those are like little categories underneath the big one, right? So our big one is personnel. That's your staff. Those are people who are actually employed at the nonprofit. They're not consultants. They're not contractors, right? You actually pay them. You pay them fringe benefits. You don't necessarily have to pay them salary. They might just be hourly, but they are employed. They are employees. All right, so your personnel, we're going to have under this and we're, remember, I'm not looking at all three objectives. I'm just looking at the first one and filling in the activities. So <laughs> you would need a lot more to fill in, but just in lieu of time to give you an idea of how this works and not to bog you down with too much information. We're just going to focus on this specific objective number one with these activities that we just went over. Okay, so the executive director, since they're going to hire the project coordinator and they're going to kind of oversee the entire grant and a lot of times I recommend that you put your executive director either in indirect or you put them just small percentages across all of your grants because oftentimes you're not going to have your executive director as 100% on any grant, especially if you get multiple grants. Even if you only have one grant so far, I mean, you're going to get more grants for those nonprofits, right? So you want to make sure they're having different percentages. Okay, so the executive director, we're going to say makes $35 an hour. So now we have our first column is all of our categories and subcategory, the description. Our second column is going to be our computation. So how did we come up with what we're going to pay them? How does it actually make sense? And then the third column is the grand request for your total. All right, so that's how simple we're keeping it today. So like I said, our main category, personnel, our subcategory under that is executive director. And the second co column, our computation is $35 an hour times 2,080 hours. So that's full time if they're 40 hours a week. But then we're gonna times that by just 5%. They're just putting 5% of their time into this project. So the grant request total would be $3,640, right? So very, very simple. Now, under that personnel, we're also putting the project coordinator because the project coordinator, if you listen to last week, they're the ones that are mainly the, the lead responsible on all the activities. So we're gonna make the project coordinator a full-time position and we're gonna say in the computation column, column number two, we're gonna say $25 an hour times 2,080. And once again, 2,080 is always full-time. And that amounts to 52,000. So now we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna add those two up. So we have our total for our personnel subtotal. So that would be $55,640. Now we're gonna move on to our next category. Our next category is fringe benefits. And the fringe benefits that we have here for them, 
Now this is really, um, remember guys, this isn't set in stone. What is set in stone is the fringe benefits for each nonprofit. Each nonprofit has its own already discovered, whatever they've discovered it, at their fringe benefits. But they usually, I mean, they always have to include FICA, right? So that's some of your social security and all of that. And they also have to include workers' comp. So many times, and I'm not really sure this might vary state to state, it might vary city to city, but they also include health insurance or other types of benefits. Some include childcare, you know, there's so many different types of benefits that different nonprofits provide. And this is where all of that is in the fringe benefits categories. For the purposes of this, I'm just using FICA and workers comp, the required benefits. So FICA is always, like right now, in 2019, looking at everything, 7.65%. And it's been that way for quite a while. Although the government can change this, so do keep up with that. But we're looking at 7.65%. So all you would do is you would take the grand subtotal of your personnel, so remember that is your executive director plus your project coordinator, and that's a 55,640, and you would times that by 7.65% which would give you 4,256. Workers' comp is 1.5%. So you would do the same thing. You would times 55,640 times 1.5%, and that's $835. So 4,256 plus 835 is 5,091. So there now you have, our, you're already done with your personnel, you're done with your fringe benefits. Now we're gonna move on to travel. So travel, is just gonna be really simple for our example because we're gonna say here that you're gonna be driving all of the participants and beneficiaries, so all the pregnant teens or teen parents to these classes at some point, right? And remember, you're only doing five months of cohorts, so that's 20 weeks. So we're gonna say the mileage, so the mileage right now is uh, 53.5 cents per mile, and you do have to go on GSA uh, standards. So I can include that link if you go to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 88. I'll give you the link so you can get updated. But every year they come out. Sometimes it's the same year to year for petrol prices, but the government does have you adhere to a certain amount. And that can change, and that's really based on the economy and it's based on petrol. So just go there to that link so you know how much you can charge. So we're gonna say driving the van for five months, an average of 100 miles per week times 20 weeks, because it's only, we're not doing it for the full time because we're not using it for the full time. So I want you to consider that when you're doing your budgets. Just remember if it makes sense, right? So 100 miles times 20 weeks times 53.5 cents per mile, we're looking at $1,070. So you're done with travel now. But other things that can be included in travel are, say, for instance, especially federal grants, they may require you to put in your budget an annual um, training that they actually provide, and that's normally in D.C., although sometimes it's in other cities and places, and they say you have to put that into your grant budget. So you really have to look at that. Or maybe you're traveling to other places for conferences and that sort of thing, um, then you would include that in here in your travel. Equipment. Now equipment's kind of a funky one. This is our next category. And equipment right now, according to federal regulations, is any one unit or one item at $5,000 or more that has a duration of one year 
life or longer. So if you're purchasing 10 computers at $1,000 each, you would say, oh, would I put that here because it's $10,000? I would say no, because it's $1,000 each. So remember, $5,000 per unit, right? Okay, so what we could put here, and this is actually very hard to get funded, but this is what we would say for our equipment, is we're gonna purchase a minivan, because that minivan, now we have the gas already, remember the mileage that we just did for travel. Now we're gonna purchase, and this is $20,000, it's one item, it definitely lasts longer than one year. So this is going to be where we are able to drive around the youth in this, in this vehicle. So we're gonna say one minivan, purchasing a minivan of $20,000. So that's our subtotal. Now let's move on to supplies. And supplies, I just kept it very simple, but just so you can see. And one subcategory, I put consumables, and that's for your basic paper, staples, ink, cleaning supplies, all of that at $100 per month times 12 months. Now here I did put 12 months because this is more for the project coordinator, stuff that they need. They need to do printing, they need to do reports, they have to put things together. They just need a basic office, right? So basic consumables and that would total $1,200. The next line item I put, the next subcategory of supplies, supplies for financial literacy training. So when we're actually doing it, right? And here I'm saying it's $25 for the book. So they're all gonna get a book. Now, pay attention here. Here's a little trick I did put in. Remember, our objective is to have 100 youth, right? To have 20 hours of financial literacy training by the end of July. But I'm gonna put in $25 a book for 110 people. Why would I do 110 and not just 100? The reason I would do this, and I touched on this in our last week's episode, is that this demographic, teenage parents and pregnant teens, a high attrition rate. That means some of these pregnant teenagers may be having their babies during this time, right? Some teenage parents, maybe their kids get sick, maybe other things come up and they're gonna drop out. And I'm not sure that they're all gonna give their books back. And maybe some of their books will have already been started to be written in. So I'm gonna, and that's actually a really low attrition rate. You could even probably go up a little bit higher than that, say 120 people or 115, that you want 115 books, right? And then your goal is to have 100 people complete it, complete the program, right? So you wanna have at least 110, 115 people started because you know some people are gonna drop out just because of the nature of demographics that are similar to this and like this. So when you're working with a high needs, high risk population, always factor in some sort of attrition rate and you can put that in your budget. And as long as you explain it in your budget narrative, the reviewers will completely understand. So, and if you don't put it in here, if you only put 100 right off the bat that, you know, then it's kind of like they're gonna say, well, we know that some are gonna drop out, so how are they gonna deal with this, right? Because you, you might not be able to reach your, your objective then. Okay, so 110 times $25 a book is 2,750. Now I have another line item here, another subcategory that you can also think about, and that is called participant supplies. And what do I mean by this? You say, Holly, they just got a book. What else do they need? Well, sometimes people, especially when you're doing programs like this, they do need 
incentives. Maybe they need childcare support. Maybe if we didn't have the van here, if we didn't have the mileage, maybe they need gas vouchers. But what I want you to think about, even gift certificates. Gift certificates are huge. Just think so they keep showing up. You want to keep the retention as strong as you can. So different kinds of supplies. Maybe you need additional um, notebooks and pens, things like that. Or maybe, like I said, you're just doing gift certificates. So everyone that shows up today, you all get a chance at, you know, winning, um, you know, a $25 gift certificate somewhere. So, I mean, it's just fun stuff like that that will really help and kind of um, just provide more retention for your programs. So I'm saying $10 per person times 110 people, because remember that attrition rate, is $1,100. So altogether, if you add up all of those uh, subcategories, consumables, supplies for financial literacy training, so the books, and the participant supplies, that comes up with $5,050. Okay, so now we're gonna move on to our contractual. And we are getting through this, guys. I know this is a little bit long, but it really is, the budget is really important for you to wrap your head around. And when I just break it down like this, I hope it makes more sense and it makes it more simple for you. So contractual, contractual slash consultant, right? So this is where we say, hmm. So for some of our items, our activities that we mentioned are we're running a digital marketing campaign. Uh, you're having the financial consultant come in, right? So for here I put, since our digital marketing campaign is gonna be launched for a couple of months so we can recruit different youth, we're gonna say a digital advertising budget two months at $1,000 each, so that would be $2,000. In that way, you could either pay for Facebook ads or you could um, maybe put a little bit more in here if you're actually going to outsource a company that can do this dig digital marketing campaign for you. So you wanna make sure, once again, anything that you put in the activities, you include in the budget. The next subcategory under this is financial consultant and I'm gonna put them at 100 hours, right? Because remember, we're doing 20 hours per month for five months at $25 per hour. So this is if you're gonna actually hire somebody in to facilitate your financial consult or your financial literacy, right? So you wanna have them come in and do that. That would be $2,500. Now, like I said, often financial institutions will do this at no fee for nonprofits. They'll offer financial literacy training. Don't expect that though, but some will, especially if it's your bank that your nonprofit uh, does all of its banking at. You can talk to them. And if they did that, you wouldn't necessarily have to put them in your budget, right? But you would need a letter of commitment that said, that showed the value, that showed the hours, and that was signed where they committed to that for this project. But under our sake, we're just gonna say, we're gonna outsource and we're gonna hire somebody. And even $25 for a financial literacy consultant, that's pretty good. So maybe they're giving you a discount. So the total for contractual consultant, consultancy would be 4,500. Okay, moving on to our other category, and that is other. <laughs> so these are those other things. And sometimes you can put these in the other categories, but just for the sake to show you some examples, sometimes you have to move, and the federal, agencies and the foundations will sometimes tell you to like oh can you actually move these certain things under that category i mean they they really will tell you where exactly because they're all finicky in some ways but at least this gives you a framework so other in our sense we would say computers so we say we need one computer for the project coordinator so that's one thousand dollars so we'd say okay there you go 
The other thing is we would say room for financial literacy training. So maybe your organization is so small and you don't have this, this big of a space for 20 people at a time. So you say 150 square feet at, actually you need a little bit more than that, but $25 an hour, say it's $25 an hour for the room for 100 hours. And that would be $2,500. So you just make sure. And remember, you're thinking about this from the standpoint of how is this actually going to happen? Think about if you needed to come up with a business plan, you needed all of your budget done. This is all you're doing. And you're showing this for your grant. And the final subcategory here under other is internet. So your project coordinator would need internet. Maybe you're nonprofit already pays for the internet and you don't need that right but maybe if you're setting up a new room or a new area and you need better internet or whatnot so we would say $100 per month times 12 months is $1,200 so the total for other that's your computer room for the financial literacy training and internet would be $4,700 so what you would do now is you would add up all of your subtotals right your other subtotal well let's go up to the top your personnel subtotal your fringe benefit subtotal, your travel subtotal, equipment, supplies, contractual slash consulting, and other. Your total would be $96,051. So what you would do with your indirect, if you have an indirect cost rate that has been negotiated, obviously you would just multiply that total of your direct cost to that indirect cost rate to come up with that amount. But if you do not have one, you can use the federal de minimis of up to 10%. So you don't have to negotiate, you can use up to 10%. So that's what we're gonna say. We're, an indirect could cost that, like I said, it could be where your executive director comes under. It could be where, you're, this is where I like to put bookkeepers, right? Because they have to do stuff across all grants. This could also be your rent. This could be where your internet goes. This could be your utilities, your insurance costs, all of those sorts of things that aren't directly a grant like right direct thing they're indirect and that's why it's called indirect so we would take ninety six thousand fifty one dollars and multiply it by ten percent which would be nine thousand six hundred and five dollars then you would add up your indirect with your total direct and that would be a total of one hundred five thousand six hundred and fifty six dollars so that would be the amount that you would need to carry out all the activities in objective one so all you'd have to do is uh, first you would just do your activities for objective two and objective three, and then you would fill, put it side by side to this budget framework, and you would just punch it all in your categories, fill up your subcategories under each one of those main headings, and you would know for sure how much you needed. That's as easy as it gets. And of course the thing is, is if it's way over the budget ceiling that you can ask for that grant, then maybe you can only serve 50 pregnant youth or teenage parents, right? Maybe you have to come back on your numbers. Maybe you can only do 10 hours of financial literacy training. As long as you can still meet your goal and it, that goal will help reduce your problem statement, you are still gold. So that is how it goes. That is how you know you have a realistic budget. That's how you know that you're gonna get every single thing that needs to get done in the grant to be successful. All right, guys, so that's it. It doesn't have to be rocket science.
So that wraps up our grants formula. Woo! So please subscribe to the podcast so you can make sure you get next week's episode delivered right to your podcast player as I have a special guest on from Nashville, Tennessee. I'm super excited about her. She's amazing. We met when I was in Nashville back in June and we've just developed a really great relationship and um, she's doing amazing things and it's about earned income for nonprofits. So it's totally a different topic than we've, we've discussed before and I'm really excited to kind of get into that over the next few weeks and she's going to kick off that entire topic. So amazing. So also be sure to check out our YouTube channel and it's just grant writing and funding on YouTube. So please check out, subscribe. I'll also have our episode with our special guest posted on YouTube. So that's a lot of fun to watch that as well. But let me know how you like the grants formula. Send me an email to holly at grantwritingandfunding.com. And also if you want to get the grants formula downloadable, be sure to jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 88. All right, guys, I'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Do you want to join the Changemaker Tribe and get courses, downloadable checklists, samples of awarded grants, behind-the-scenes live Q&A with myself and the tribe, and discounts on grant services? Be sure to join the Changemaker membership at www.grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash membership. Thank you for listening to this Grant Writing and Funding Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed your time. For more questions, email holly at holly at grantwritingandfunding.com or visit www.grantwritingandfunding.com.